Welcome to Rugged Theology, where we talk church planting, theology, and drink coffee. And welcome, <laughs> and welcome to another episode of Rugged Theology. We are back uh, with uh, the interns, we'll say, <laughs> as you can tell. Um, I am your host, as usual, Adam Diamond, and today I have with me Curtis Rogers. How's it going, boys? We have David Drover. Hello, hello. And we have John Lewis. Hello, thanks for having me again. You're welcome, John. <laughs> so you're proper. welcome. Are <laughs> you like a regular sir. on this? <laughs> Don't you work here? <laughs> John's our special guest. <laughs> yeah. John, how long have you been here with now? I've been here f- 15 months. Come on, man. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're welcome for us. We kept you that long, bud. We'll keep you for a bit more. <laughs> awesome. It's all good. All right, guys. Um, we actually just came off of a church retreat, which maybe why we sound so relaxed. I don't know. I think um, we're all overtired still. Yeah. Well, we had men's study this morning, so I started at 6.30. Um, so these, you know, well, me and John are okay, I think, but it's the young ones, I think they're a bit... Uh, I'm gone. <laughs> <laughs> Buddy, I'm ready to go. Um, but today we're going to talk about evangelism because that's what our church retreat was about. We had um, Caesar Para from the CNBC, the Canadian National Baptist Convention, our uh, Calvary's new denomination, come out. He's the head of the evang- of evangelism and youth ministry for the denomination, and he taught on how do you evangelize over the weekend. And it was a fantastic weekend, actually. Uh, what did you guys think of the weekend? I mean, overall, the weekend was fantastic. Um, but, I mean, I guess for the emphasis of evangelism and Caesar and what we're talking about for this episode specifically, um, no, I thought I thought he did a great, thought he was a very good communicator. I'm sure we'll get into kind of what he taught. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah, no, I, I, was really, I was really challenged. I was encouraged. Um, and as I'm sure we'll talk about, you know, hopefully this will kind of be a good direction and a good change for our church to go and evangelize more, so... Uh, excellent. He did. Um, he did some great breakout sessions um, that just kind of led us up into the worship service and to the uh, sermon directly. Um, and I thought it all tied together very well. You know, it was a great weekend. Yeah, no, I really enjoyed it. Um, even just different principles for evangelizing and how to share your faith and things like that. Um, even just a lot of the practical things. Um, really helped, you know, make a lot of sense. So guys, give me like some, some specifics here for like your biggest takeaway. Um, for me, it was, I don't remember the last time I actually asked someone to make a decision after sharing the gospel. Like I've shared the gospel plenty, especially since moving downtown. And, uh, I've kind of just left it with them, which is, which is fine. Um, but I got challenged in the fact that people who I thought were probably pretty close to accepting, I never thought about asking them on the spot, like, do you want to make a profession right now? I mean, there's nothing really wrong with that. Um, what about you guys? What What was something specific that made of, you know, you taken away from this weekend? Well, I, I mean, I'm, I majored in evangelism and church planting when I went to seminary. Teacher's bet. Yeah. And 
<laughs> well, one of the things that really stood out was um, he emphasized the fact on you need to be able to read people, mm. know the situation that you're in. Uh, a lot of times we'll get carried away with the best of intentions, um, but you might be speaking to somebody who's had bad experience in church or, you know, even to the point of maybe in in this area, someone who has uh, came across some type of abuse in church. Yeah, yeah. And they might be very turned off by, you know, you coming up with the religion thing on them. So you really have to kind of gauge the person's reactions know the situation and just kind of because there's a whole lot of different approach methods you can use and uh if things start getting tense you de-escalate it and um you know just just knowing the person you're talking to and the situation helps out a lot so john do you find your you know history as a police officer helps with that oh yeah yeah because that's all we did was uh interact with people every day all day on the job so uh it really helps to um like improve your skills uh, when you're speaking to people and watching their body language, listening to what they're actually saying, whether or not they're just, uh, whether they are engaging with you mm-hmm. or just kind of blowing you off. Um, you know, you kind of temper your, your interaction with them based on what you observe. You know, I, I really like the sort of uh, analogy that he gave about, you know, a traffic light. If somebody's sort of a red light, like they don't want to hear anymore. And then I, I guess, you know, you leave it at that. Uh, if somebody's a, a yellow light, like they're they're interested, they want to know more and you can pursue that. Or if somebody's a green light and like they want to come to Christ right now and sort of gauging, you know, where they are um, in one of those three heart areas. What were you, Dave? Mm-hmm. Anything specific you took away from the weekend? Yeah, I think, I mean, th- there were lots of things. Um, I would say maybe the main thing for myself would be the importance of knowing your testimony and not just knowing your testimony in terms of I got saved in, you know, June nineteen sixty two nineteen seventy five at three forty five p.m. Well, I think you um, need to get the date right first. <laughs> but yeah, continue. How do you know? Well, you just heard about three of them, so yeah, I don't think you're that old. <laughs> so, anyway, anyway. so it's not just the date you got saved. Um, yeah, not just not just in the past, but. Also, like like the idea of testimony, I guess, in, in some ways, is what how is God working or how has God worked, um, but also emphasis on the present. So how is God working in your life currently? Um, and I was really convicted and challenged by the fact that a lot of times in conversations, I don't really, or even in, in day-to-day life, take the time to reflect on how God is is working in my life, and then I don't really tell others about it. But that's just such a great way to be able to kind of naturally bring up the gospel and conversation. Um, if you're really honest and open about, you know, what's happening in your life. So it's like, oh, well, you know, why are you able to be so patient? Or, or why does your family do this? Oh, because, you know, we believe or because God, you know, has convicted me about that. You know, there's just simple ways you can kind of bring bring things up um, when you're kind of more intentional, I guess. So just kind of taking that time to reflect on what my testimony is, what it, you know, how God's working in my life now and how I can bring that up. Um, in regular day conversation. So I noticed a lot of people were engaged at the retreat, and uh, a lot of people seem to have a lot of good things to say about it. A lot had some insights, great insights to come back and, you know, how to share their faith, because it doesn't come naturally, we'll say, like, to everyone. Not everyone has that, you know, gift of evangelism. How do we, coming out of this, you know, bit of high or, you know, you know euphoria on this new teaching, being very energized around 
uh, you know, a great group of brothers and sisters in our church, being taught about evangelism, sharing our faith, and then coming back to the real world, you know, everyday life, your work. How do we keep that, you know, quote unquote, fire for evangelizing, go, evangelizing going um, and not just let it die out and just be another conference you go to when everything just stays the same? How do we keep that going? Yeah, I think, and boys, correct me if I get any of these wrong, but Caesar, Caesar talked about throughout the sessions um, five Ds for evangelism, right? So it was the first one was devoted, second one was direct, third develop, fourth declare. Declare, yeah. And the fifth was, was disciple, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, so that first one devoted, devoted to the word and devoted to prayer. I think that's really the key for the like that's the answer for the question. And I think that's an important first one. And then like that order is important um, because, you know, how, how do we keep the flame going? How do we, we're, we're never going to do it. A lot of what I think it, it was very evident when we heard Caesar talk was his passion mm-hmm. was that he was full. Nobody at that retreat questioned whether <laughs> or not Caesar believed every word that he said to us. It was just his his charisma. I mean, part of that's his personality, his charisma, his outgoingness, you know, um, his just style, all those kinds of things. But do we really believe what we're proclaiming? Do we really live by it? Are we devoted to it? Um, and I think, you know, by being devoted, by being in the Word, by being in prayer, um, that is how we, you know, that that's kind of the baseline, the foundation for doing the rest of the stuff. So how do we keep it alive? I think we've got to be devoted to the Word, and we've got to be devoted in prayer. Um, I think uh, one of the sort of questions he answered helped a lot about scheduling. Um, a lot of yeah. times we just make this general, like, yeah, we're going to go do this, but you know, it never really happens. But he's like, how about you just start with taking one hour a week in your calendar and like intentionally putting it there with, with, the, with the intention of just walking around and seeing if you can talk to one person about the gospel? Um, making something even just practical like that, I think will will help a lot more in us actually doing it rather than just sort of letting it fade. fade yeah, away. that that's the uh, the whole old adage of um, practice makes perfect. Uh, the more you do it, the more comfortable you're going to be uh, with it. Uh, because when you do leave retreats and church services like that, you can be emotionally charged and be fired up, and then over the days that fire kind of just kind of dwindles down a little bit. But the more you do it, the more you're going to feel more comfortable in sharing with people, especially if you're introverted. Mm-hmm. It's going to take a lot of practice. And the more you practice, the more you exercise your skills, the better you're going to get. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I mean, you, you, Dave, you emphasize the part of it, you know, having a story, knowing your testimony and knowing what your story is. And you might think you can, you know, just rhyme it off to people, but it takes some practice. Like you, yeah. you know, which details are you going to add in? Which details are you going to use? And your your testimony, you might not tell it the same way every time. Um, part of what John said comes back to reading people, knowing how they're engaged and what are they interested in. Are they introverted? Are they extroverted? Are they do they like this? Do they like that? Would this part of my testimony speak to them better than another part? Mm-hmm. Right. You don't have to tell everything, but what's going to best communicate to that person how Jesus has transformed your life. Mm-hmm. And, and knowing how to, on that note too, mm-hmm. knowing the gospel well enough to be able to, you know, apply it to a person's situation, a person's life. Well, that's another thing. Like, do right. you know the gospel? Yeah. Right? I mean, if you don't even think you can, you're, you're able to articulate the gospel, I mean, maybe no one ever really broke it down for you, what it is. And that, that, that's okay. But we need to start knowing that. You need to know what you believe, why you believe, but you also need to know your own story. Like, 
what difference has Jesus made in your life? Because that's, that's the biggest thing. No one can really deny the change that God has made in your personal life. Right? Like, the, the, you can't deny that someone's personal experience. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Personal experience speaks more to a person than just uh, reciting Bible verses to them or walking them down the Romans road. When they hear how it's changed you personally, then they can kind of relate a little bit better, mm-hmm. especially yeah. um, when you tell them the bad with the good, too. And and that's really important, too, John, because it's not just experience but transformation mm-hmm. that's key right because we can experience a lot of things and some things that we experience we draw false conclusions from and things like that but when you see a real change in a person that's what i think it's really hard to, to oh, back yeah. up against i mean yeah. caesar's story was you know pretty heavy and there's there's lots of people with that you know he he grew up in a very poor area of toronto you know he was part of gangs he Mm-hmm. did lots of stuff and i mean he's got that story of being in a lot of sin yeah um, and, and, and his relating transformed right but like saying you know becoming a christian everybody was like what are you doing man this is not you why are you doing this you know that that kind of reaction not from his mom mm-hmm. so much but from his friends and a lot of people are going to have that especially up here in atlantic canada there's not a lot of christians there's not a lot of christian families so if you come home professing your faith and saying, I'm a new Christian, uh, people are going to know they're going to get a lot of negative blowback. And helping them to relate with that, telling them your personal experience is one way to help walk, walk them through it. Mm-hmm. And and this comes back a little bit, too, to knowing kind of, like I just mentioned, Caesar's testimony was a pretty drastic change, right? Um, and there's a lot of people out there who don't, like my story is not necessarily, you know, that, that kind of a... Um, I guess roller coaster, you could say, but but that doesn't mean that it's any less valuable or any less important. You know, the gospel is still a gospel, sin yep. is still sin, and yep. Christ's saving work is still miraculous. Um, and for me to still be able, like, there are still lots of ways that even with my story, even though it might not look as or seem as flashy as others, can still really be meaningful. And I'm sure that's true for everybody around this table. I mean, if you really think about like, for instance, I mean, everybody knows, or I shouldn't say everybody, a lot of people know of Galatians 5, the, the idea of the fruits of the Spirit, um, and I'm terrible at memorizing, so just mm-hmm. to name a few. Love, like, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There you go. So, the, song, the song really helps. It does. There you go. Perfect. Plug for singing. The song did, is did, easier to memorize. Did you get them all? Um, did he? I think so. I don't know. That's part of the... Yeah. (laughs) Anyway, he's very paranoid now. (laughs) Yeah, that would got him... So, no, I'm just kidding. Um, But anyways, legit though, if you're trying... Like, even the change from being a moderately, you know, um, impatient person to becoming a patient person is pretty big, and it's noticeable. Mm -hmm. Uh, like, Like, how many of us here struggle with driving? But then you you mean anger with driving? Yes, me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. But 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 you know maybe you know if God kind of convicts us about that and then we start to change, you know maybe you know we're, we're driving somebody around who who doesn't know Christ and they're like, dude, like you're like the most chill driver ever. Like you like that guy just cut you off and like you never react poorly or you never like. Swore yeah, especially or, with their you know. language, you know, if, if they use a lot of profanity and then they mm-hmm. turn over that new leaf and they stop using profanity, that's usually a very noticeable thing in mm-hmm. a person's life. It also helps when your horn doesn't work. Yes. My horn doesn't work right now in the <laughs> car and it helps immensely with 
even the small bit of road rage I might get. <laughs> but no, you're, you're right that that's those transformations in our life, like like you said, Dave, it's not just the past, but what is God doing now? Like how is what what is your testimony now as well? Like how is God helping you now with peace, patience, joy, love, goodness, kindness, goodness? Uh, sorry, gentleness. You got to sing the song. Control. <laughs> <laughs> um, but so, guys, how uh, how have your has your experience been before this sharing your faith? Have you been hesitant before to share your faith? Have you ever been afraid? Uh, what 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 has it been like for, for you before in sharing your faith? I think the biggest obstacle is probably fear, and that's probably a, a, a similar thing for a lot of people. Um, you, you don't really want to because you know like how people are going to react and, and things like this, and, and it, you also just don't know what to say sometimes, which this retreat helped a lot with. You know, th- th- this is this is a good you know process to. This is how you could say it. This is how you could share it. Um, just to break some of that down, but I think fear is probably one of the, if not the biggest barrier to sharing your faith with other people. I think it's, yeah, yeah, I know, absolutely. Just something for, like, just from a personal standpoint, I find sometimes in, in the past initiating, like, like doing it naturally can be very difficult. Mm-hmm. Like getting in, like if I'm in a space where I'm, where I'm in the conversation, yep. Like a no, no, no problem, but it's like kind of weaving it in and, and being able to get to a place where you're like you're actually talking about it. That's not like really cheesy or awkward. Yeah, um, finding that transition. So. Yeah, I, I've I've personally found that pretty difficult. I'd um, say the the fear for me is not the fear like I'm a I'm afraid of getting embarrassed or humiliating myself. That's not it because I did that for twenty years in my old job. <laughs> it's more I don't want to blow this. You know, here's my mm. chance to talk to this person and I want to say something that's going to be meaningful to them and not, you know, make them turn away from me and not, you know, come back. Um, especially being the, uh, the outsider, you know, I don't want them to think, oh, here I am, Mr. American trying to convert all these Canadians to be a Southern Baptist. I don't want them to think that. I, I just want them to know Jesus. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah. The fear for me was usually of losing friends or reputation what will my reputation be um what could i lose what you know yeah basically what what there was to lose not what there was to gain Mm. um i'm having more of a fear of man people around me than the fear of god um and that that's what i you know i've wrestled with a lot before in growing up was like how do i how do you come to terms with that right what if you're you know we're a weirdo now <laughs> especially in high school or junior high i mean it's hard enough sometimes if people already think you're weird and <laughs> you, know, you know what i mean like it, those are thoughts that go through your head as a teenager um but uh why how old have you guys kind of wrestled with that as you grew like you know is it easier now to share your faith well, i'd say definitely for me mm-hmm. i mean just because I'm I'm going on thirty years being a Christian now. You got nothing left to lose. So yeah, and I mean I'm an older <laughs> guy. I mean, you know, my last job interacting with people, it's like, yeah, it's it's much easier now than it would have been twenty five years ago for mm-hmm. me. Twenty five years ago, I would have been petrified to even probably say I was a Christian outside of like a Southern United States setting. Yeah. Now, is there anything other than just age? Is it like, are you more comfortable with the gospel now or anything like that? Yeah, the education really helped a lot, knowing the theology, because when I first became a Christian, I really didn't know much about the faith. 
and I tried to educate myself and that was a big mistake. Mm. Um, it's very easy to get, uh, caught off on tangents or bad theology if you don't, you know, when you're ignorant. Um, but once you, once I obtained that, um, that formal kind of education and understood what I believed and why I believed it, it made it very much easier to, to evangelize. Mm. Anyone else? You can go first, Curtis, if you have anything. Yeah, I think um, I do it a lot more often now than I say I used to in like my undergrad in high school. Um, and I seem like th- those first two Ds of like devoted to prayer and directed towards lostness, I seem to be a lot more like intentional with those things. Mm-hmm. Um, but still, you know, in, in terms of a conversation, sometimes it just comes up pretty naturally. And, and if somebody asks you, like, it's pretty easy and just to, to rhyme off, you know, this is what the gospel is and, and things like that. But like, like Dave said, sometimes it, it, it doesn't come that easy. And, and you may have people that, that, that want to hear the gospel, but just don't ask about it. And, and trying to find that way to transition to it yourself, it's like, you know, not many people are just going to come up and say, hey, tell me what you believe, right? But, you know, if you are devoted to prayer and you direct your life towards lostness and then you know, in that you can, you can find ways to, to, to preach the gospel and, and find, you know, Caesar kept talking that open door. Like there's always, almost always there, 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 there's some type of open door, not necessarily all the time, but there's pretty often. And a lot of times we just miss it or we just are too afraid to walk through it. Mm. Um, but if we can spot that and then, you know, have ways that we can sort of boldly walk through that, I think it helps a lot. Hmm. So for me, do you want the short answer or the long answer? <laughs> well, we got seven minutes, so you 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 judge accordingly. <laughs> for the short answer. No. <laughs> no, I mean, so I've actually been thinking of possibly writing this down somewhere and putting it up. You're going to write a book? Um, <laughs> a maybe like a one-page book. Okay. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm not a very good writer or a very long writer. Um, but I guess I guess the ultimate answer is still wrestling. Um, but I've been thinking a lot about this whole idea of fear and the roadblock to evangelism, because if you ask people, you know, what's the biggest roadblock to Christians sharing their faith? I think almost every single time I've ever had that conversation come up, the answer is always fear. Afraid of something. Yeah. That's always it. Um, and then... Well, just out of curiosity, for for those of you who have, because you guys have all been in prior conversations like that, I'm guessing as well. Mm-hmm. What what are the what's the solution that's often offered with that? Like just from experience, like not like this is me necessarily asking you guys what like you think. Like if a fellow just, Christian says, "I'm afraid to share my faith," what should I do? Yeah, or like you hear a sermon on it. Like, what's a typical kind of like solution to like overcoming that fear? For me, it always goes back to practice. Practice makes perfect. You know, uh, just have have that person work with fellow Christians, already believers, you know, and you start off gentle, uh, give them slight resistance, maybe, and then work it through like, you know, how to react when somebody's just like very confrontational with you. Like, how dare you tell me that, you know, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, anger, uh, just let them know how to uh give them some pointers on how to de-escalate a situation and say, listen, you don't, you don't have to continue telling them, uh, the gospel if things are getting heated and, and confrontational, you can back off and say, okay, you know, 
uh, I'll respect that. Let's change the subject. And, you know, I still like you, still love you, brother, sister, whatever the situation might be. Mm -hmm. Just it all comes back down to practice to help them break out of their shell. Yeah. Yeah. I think there's, I think there's a number of things, Dave. I think there's um, being in community, um, being disabled. Um, Yeah. I mean, having older women teach younger women, older men teach younger men, um, so on and so forth. That model of discipleship being biblical community is also having a big view of God, you know, that respect, mm-hmm. that healthy fear of God, mm-hmm. um, and knowing basically what's at stake. It's not just, it's not your reputation that's at stake, mm-hmm. it's souls. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So souls are on the line, and God is going to do the work. God is the one who saves, he is the one who sanctifies, he is the one who calls. We're just the tool in, in that process, right? Um, and then there's also, again, being more comfortable and taught. I mean, John, you said, like, you know, the schooling and being well-taught mm-hmm. helped you a lot. Being well-taught and knowing what it is you believe, knowing why that makes a difference, and knowing why it's important um, gives you that confidence. And again, your confidence shouldn't even be in your ability to tell the gospel, um, but in the gospel itself and trusting the Holy Spirit to give you words to you know, speak into the lives of the people that you're, you're ministering to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, I'm all on board with all of that. Like, I think that is great advice. And I think it's necessary and needed. But then I also look at myself and I still find myself often afraid. Hmm. Right? And so here's a... I'm sorry, but I'm taking a long time here. This is, I promise this is only short. I'm very, okay, anyways, I'll, this is I'll, a quickly, short one. I'll quickly just, just say a couple of things and then we can move on. Um, so when I've been thinking like, so why, why that leads me like to the question of why am I so like, why are we afraid? What's the deeper thing here? Like what's the heart issue that's going on here? Cause a lot of that stuff is a bit, you know, it's, it's needed. It's an intellectual, it's an, it's practical. Um, but when I think when, um, actually, here, I'll just read this out. So this is from a, well, this is from a book called Rejoice and Tremble by Mike, Michael Reeves. Um, and he quotes a Dutch theologian. I'm not even going to pretend to pronounce that name. because <laughs> Wilhelmus uh, Brackel. Sure. Uh, sounds Let's go close with that. to me. <laughs> so he explains that apparently that fear issues forth from love. So that is we fear because we love we love ourselves, and so we fear bad things happening to us. We love our families, our friends, our things, and so fear losing them. So why am I, why I'm actually afraid is because I love something and don't want to lose it. So scripturally, when I look at, for instance, the woman at the well, she seems to not be afraid to go tell all the people around her when, when she should be afraid of everything. Yeah. Given her status, but she's not. And why? Anyways, I'll leave it there. But um, I think it's because of the joy. I'll leave it there. But anyways, sorry, Adam. Long, long segue. But if you're interested in hearing more, I'll hopefully write something and maybe put it somewhere. <laughs> Dave will write a book, buy his book when he releases uh, it. Yeah, the one pager. <laughs> or at least a blog. <laughs> Probably more likely. <laughs> All right, guys. Thank you so much for joining this conversation about um, evangelism. I know it can be a tricky subject for one, for some people. It can be a hard subject. Um, believe it or not, I'm the more introverted one between me and Sabrina, and I evangelize far easier than she does. You know, you don't have to be extroverted, this big, loud personality, 
um, to be good at evangelism. Sometimes it's just listening, you know, be able to read people and looking for ways that you can connect with them and ways you can bring the gospel in. And a lot of, a lot of the times it's letting people get to know you. When they get to know you, you see there's something different and taking time for them, treating them like a person, letting them, you know, taking time to insert yourself into their story, taking time for them, not just making them, you know, a target of your evangelism, but actually treating them like a person who has their own ups and downs and issues and struggles. Um, just a number of ways to go about it, but not one of us is going to evangelize the same way as someone else. I'm not going to evangelize the same way as John, one, because he's a former police officer who can probably read people <laughs> far better than I ever could. <laughs> so now I'm a bit sketchy uh, sitting across from John in the room. Um, <laughs> John knows everything about you. <laughs> right, yeah. he can read my mind. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so I mean, be encouraged um, if you're listening to this that anyone can do this. We're all called to do this. If we're excited about our faith, we should want other people to know about it. It's a matter of getting comfortable with trusting in God, knowing what you believe, and also knowing your story. We can all we all have a story. We're all able to tell people that. What difference has Jesus made in his in your life, and what difference is He still making in your life? So I'll leave you with that. And uh, thanks for listening. And we'll catch you again next week. You've been listening to Rugged Theology. Rugged Theology is brought to you by Mile One Mission. If you want to know more about Mile One Mission and our work in Newfoundland and Labrador, visit www.mileonemission.ca.